You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. On this Thursday, November 16th, we are joined on the phone by Adam McKelvey, our Brewers reporter for MLB.com. Adam, we thank you for the time. And uh, when we last spoke, uh, we laid out a pretty intriguing proposal that uh, the Brewers had on the table to do a, a multi-million dollar renovation of their spring training complex uh, now for a number of years down in uh, Arizona in the Phoenix area. But, of course, uh, that had to be approved via city council votes, and uh, that vote took place yesterday uh, on this Wednesday, on Wednesday as we're talking here on a Thursday. So, Adam, I'm doing the imaginary drum roll in my mind. So reveal to <laughs> us the results of the votes, and will this renovation go through? The stage is yours. Yes, this renovation will go through approved awesome. six to two. You know, it was a, uh, even one of the no votes made clear this was a good deal for the city of Phoenix. Um, he voted against it on kind of philosophical grounds that he felt like cities generally shouldn't be involved in um, putting any money towards professional sports franchises. This deal, what I think the, the big picture thing to know about this deal is it's unique in that the Brewers are footing most of the bill. They're going to put in at least $41 million, up to $63 million to build, a, mostly to build a big new 65,000-square-foot building on site, sort of along the first base concourse at Maryvale Baseball Park. For those who have been, it'll expand the concourse, give the Brewers new clubhouses for their major and minor league team, uh, state-of-the-art training facilities, video capabilities, Things that Maryvale Baseball Park has been lacking. They have been very tight, kind of wedged into a building that was great in 1998, but has just, uh, with the way the game has changed technologically and otherwise, it just didn't work anymore. Um, so that's sort of, um, they're going to get a, a, better, a better place to spend six weeks in spring training and, and then year-round for their rehabbing players. But I think from a, you know, there's a wider sports story here. In, in the way the funding was set up. As I said, the Brewers put in uh, at least $41 million, up to $63. Uh, they're going to take over operation of this park from the city of Phoenix, which will continue to own it. Phoenix is putting in $10 million over the next five years, and then they're going to contribute what they had been spending to run the place, even though the Brewers will not be running it. That, that's about $1.4 million per year. So the outlay for the city is, you know, I'm not, $10 million is, look, that's more money than I got in my bank account. <laughs> Probably not you as a, you know, a, a big voice, of course but not. No. That, that is, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. If you're talking about a city, there's jobs involved, there's fans coming in. This is an area of Phoenix that's not ideal. Um, nobody thinks it is, but there's some hope that things are happening in this part of the city. Grand Canyon University has uh, really expanded. Um, they, they've invested a ton in their sports program, and that has brought that uh, university sort of to the fore, and they've grown a lot, and they're going to partner with the Brewers on some tutoring programs here. So there are some things happening. Um, bottom line is Brewers are going to be there for 25 more years, and for the club, it, it closes the door on this. I, I mean, I think they were sort of weary of having this question hang over them. And they looked far and wide for a better situation, um, a better spot for their park. It just wasn't there. So, look, the park itself is great. Uh, they're going to get the facilities they need now. And it's going to be great once you're inside the walls. And then the hope is 
you know, again, that in time, the area, the, the surrounding area, see some improvements. Yeah, it seems like uh, things are on the upswing, as uh, you just detailed with uh, the university there and, and uh, some more vibrance and activity uh, in that area, which can only lead to good things down the road. Adam, one thing I'm curious about is that, you know, when you look around baseball, there are certain teams that have more of a of a foothold and a, and a bond and a connection with their spring training facility and the people in that surrounding area. You know, some, some teams more than others. So I, I guess my question would be, how would you rate that bond, you know, between the Brewers and between, you know, that area, that community, and uh, and, and those people that attend the games? Is, is it as strong as maybe some of the other renowned, you know, spring training facilities for some of the other clubs that have been there for a number of years or – I, I guess, you know, what, how would you assess uh, that, that connection be, between the fan base and between the team? No, I mean, it's not, it doesn't exist uh, in that part of town uh, as it did for other clubs. You know, I think of the Cubs in Mesa, although now the Cubs have moved, um, the Angels in Tempe. Some of that is history. Those clubs just date back so far with uh, those communities and there's a ton of community involvement in the games, and it's very apparent when you go to those stadiums. That does not exist with Maryville. But, look, that's part of this deal, and I think that's why they baked into this agreement. Um, I, I said the tutoring program with Grand Canyon University. There's some other uh, sort of community involvement with the city of Phoenix, that, that neighborhood of Phoenix. The Brewers relocated a full-time employee down to Maryville to engage the community on – all kinds of different programs. So the Brewers want to have, have more of a presence at whatever it is, a potluck dinner um, in, in town. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers will be a sponsor of it and have a presence there. So they want to build that sense of community a little bit uh, because that has not been part of the situation. The, the way Maryville happened is actually pretty interesting. There was a developer named John F. Long who developed all the homes. Maryville is kind of nestled uh, in a neighborhood. And it's all these, it's kind of suburban sprawl as Phoenix was growing. And this developer uh, eventually donated this big plot of land to the city, and they built this complex and gave it to the brewers. Hmm. Um, and the brewers moved from Chandler, where they did have a little bit more history, maybe a little bit more part of the fabric of that community. And they moved to Maryvale, where it was just a, it was a, a great facility at the time that was sort of handed to them. Um, time then you know times changed and for for the you know the, the brewers have gone to all these new stadiums and the teams in goodyear glendale you think of all the tremendous change that's happened in the cactus league um since 1998 and they just saw that their facilities were had been far surpassed by all these other teams so it's you know i don't know if that i don't know if free agents make their decisions based on what the spring training complex looks like um, but just from an operation standpoint, they were cramped, and they just they didn't have the facilities they needed to be state-of-the-art in every possible way. So this um, expansion is going to allow them in their little pocket here of West Phoenix to have kind of a state-of-the-art operation. And again, just to close the book on this and, and not have anyone not have this hanging this question hanging over the organization as it has for a number of years. Yeah, like you said, uh, more than anything else to have that peace of mind and that closure is as big as the deal itself, which will keep the Brewers uh, in that area for at least another quarter century. And uh, I think everybody, all parties are glad that this is a done deal. The vote approved us 6-2, to two, and we can all move on, as we will do uh, with our podcast. Uh, so, Adam, the GM's meetings uh, – 
just having wrapped up uh, all the GMs down in Orlando this past week, and I know that uh, the GMs meetings, by and large, there's not a lot that actually happens, not a lot that really goes down. We did see a trade late Wednesday night between the A's and the Mariners, but for the most part, the blueprint for these guys is to go down and, and you know, put the chips on the table and, and say, okay, this is what we want to do. This is what we would like to accomplish, whether at the winter meetings or at some point uh, during the offseason. So if you're David Stearns, what was your plan at going down there? What was the thing that you presented and the thing that you put on the table in terms of letting other teams know that maybe this guy or that guy could be available for the right price? Well, you know, I, don't, I think for the Brewers, the focus is how can we improve our starting pitching depth? Um, that's in part because Jimmy Nelson is going to miss a big part of next season as he comes back from shoulder surgery, sort of where they find themselves now in their uh, development process as a franchise. They got to within one game uh, of the playoffs last year, um, and they are kind of shifting now to what can we do to compete. That, that's probably going to mean adding some starting pitching. And I think for David Stearns, this is really about uh, groundwork, a key to this whole thing, I think, is that he was in that market on July 31st and August 31st. Remember, the Brewers were one of the players for Jose Quintana before he went to the Cubs. Uh, they were on Sonny Gray, a lot of the big names. So I think that it, it, it's no surprise to the 29 other GMs that David Stern is interested in acquiring some pitching. And there have been plenty of conversations between the Brewers and other clubs about how the Brewers value different players and how other clubs value the, the pieces that the Brewers would have to move. Um, in terms of what the Brewers could give up, they're in an interesting position. Um, they have a lot of depth of premium position players, shortstops and center fielders. And, you know, David Stearns was unwilling to go sort of go big and trade from that, that area of depth to get a, say, Jose Quintana. Um, but other clubs are certainly aware of the, the players the Brewers have there. It starts with Lewis Brinson, their top prospect. Corey Ray, a kid who's uh, highly rated but, but just struggled in the Arizona Fall League. Um, they have many center field-type players that could be appealing to other clubs. So I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not saying there would be many surprises of what David Stearns probably talked about with other GMs at those meetings, but it, again, lays the groundwork, and it would be a, a big-time surprise if the Brewers didn't pick up at least one notable starting pitcher in this winter. Yeah, especially given the uh, health and injury concerns that you just noted. And, you know, it's, uh, it's like I said, uh, not a lot actually happens at these meetings. It's more of a thing where the GMs uh, feel each other out uh, in preparation for the big event, the winter meetings, uh, which take place uh, in December. So that is when it's really game on and play ball. But this is kind of a precursor to all that. And uh, we'll see what fireworks uh, may or may not develop next month uh, at the actual winter meetings. Uh Adam, to begin to wrap up here, uh, a name that uh, even the the most ardent Brewers fans uh, either aren't familiar with or may have forgotten about, that of uh, Monty Harrison. Uh, he's had a kind of a long list of injuries during his first two pro seasons. He can never really get on track health-wise, but now he is healthy and not just healthy. He's really tearing it up in the Arizona Fall League. You might take that with a grain of salt, uh, but still you want to see a guy produce as opposed to not produce, and Harrison certainly is uh, doing the former. So give us some background on this guy and uh, why he was so highly touted in the first place before all the injury issues cropped up. Well, number one is he was a two-sport star. He was a very good football player. He almost went to Nebraska to play linebacker. 
um, which uh, he made a really good choice because he would have just got beat over and over by Wisconsin, of course, <laughs> during his years at Nebraska. Um, but but a project, and I, you know, the Brewers made him a second round pick in 2014, and I think there was an awareness that um, because he had been so focused on football as well as baseball that he was going to need some development time, and that can be especially true for power hitters, which which Monte Harrison certainly is. And this season is the the first one where it really came together for him, and that continued in the fall league. I don't take the offensive numbers for for granted in the fall league because to me the pitchers usually stand out when you when you look at those numbers so for harrison to hit, hit five homers and, and slug better than 600 in his uh fall league stint i think that means a lot and again it, it just builds on a really solid season he got up to high a this year um he was a strong contender for the brewers organizational player of the year they ended up going with lewis brinson it's kind of a three-man race brinson harrison and brett phillips and any one of them would have been a, a totally a solid pick for that but Harrison hit 20 homers in A-ball. It's all right when you play half your season at Wisconsin where it's really cold. Um, you know, OPS over 800. It was a, a really good season for him and a healthy season. And that, you know, when you talk to him, we have a chance to always catch up with him in spring training a little bit. It, it, he's one of those players where it's just it's largely going to be about health. He is so put together um, in, in such a kind of a specimen that, you know, there's hammy. There's a nagging hammy here. There's obliques, there's back. Um, he's one of those guys that's been nicked up a little bit throughout his career, so he's obviously trying to get over that. And this season should be a big confidence builder for him that he can put together a full, healthy, productive season. Yeah, and if he can do that, uh, we will understand uh, what the fuss was about him in the first place a couple of years ago when he was originally drafted. Uh, so, Adam, before we let you go, if Wisconsin goes undefeated, wins the Big Ten title, are they going to be odd man out for the college football playoff? I think that's the big concern right now, isn't it? Yes, it would be completely insane. I'm actually going to the game on Saturday. I haven't been to a, a Badger football game in many years uh, for some reason. And it's against, obviously, Michigan, big right. game for the Badgers. I was there. This is one of my terrible memories where Chris Chambers caught wide open pass against Michigan, just dropped it in the end zone, and oh. they lost during my years. So I'm hoping to uh, erase some of that bad juju this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Or hope that you're not the jinx. Hope that you're not the reason that they lose well, to Michigan yeah. again, right? <laughs> thank, thank you for flipping that around well, on Look, I, I'm just erring it. on the side of caution here. I'm just trying yeah. to, you know. <laughs> but hopefully better luck for you uh, this weekend with Michigan in town. And if Wisconsin runs the table, uh, hey, that's all you can do. And leave it up to the computers and the voters and Maybe they find themselves in the college football playoff with still some work to be done. Our work for today, though, has concluded. Adam McKelvey, our thanks to you as always. We'll do it again soon. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs>